our Sight Black Women podcast, and we have the pleasure and the privilege of talking to Dr. Augusta Lynn Bowles, um, who is truly an inspiration for this movement and is a person that I have admired for many, many years, not only for her interventions, but also for her bold and truly spirited conversations around the politics of citation. Um, Because I think that Dr. Bowles, you are somebody who really has brought attention to this issue for many, many years. I went to Syracuse. It had everything from undergraduate up to a PhD. It had, uh, it was five hours away by car from my home. Um, It was in the North and that was okay. Um, I applied to other schools that, I applied, for instance, to NYU because my parents had gone there. I applied to American, and I thought I would have gone to American, but they turned me down. And I said, how can they turn me down? It's a Methodist school. You know, and I'm a little Methodist girl, you know. And, um, but I could never, and of course, not, not now knowing a little bit about it, of course, in 1967, they were going to turn me down because um, they weren't ready to integrate yet. Um, but I was in that mode of you will integrate, you know, you know, you could be the guinea pig because I've been the guinea pig, you know, in different points in time, the black student, the black girl in the, um, in that class, in that dance school, in that, you know, so, um, so anyway, so that's how I wound up in Syracuse and then. In Syracuse, I, you know, there was just, at that time, we could count, I think, Walt said that something, there were 45 of us in our class. I mean, that includes the, couple, the, football, the, the 10 football players, the one basketball player, because, I mean, they didn't have black players. I mean, that's, and I do know, uh, because uh, the late, um, Jack Tatum, the what, what, what is it called? The assassin. I think that was his name in the when he was in in, in the NFL. Um, he says because he they were recruiting him because he's a football player. He says, "Oh yeah, I went up there." And he says, "And I knew you were get going to get in." I said, "I didn't know. How did you know I was getting in? I didn't get. I haven't got my letter." Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Oh yeah, they had you in a binder." I see the binder. He says, "Yeah, they were showing us." who we could date, who was coming to the school, and who who would be our potential people we could have dates with. Wow. <laughs> In the age of Me Too. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so this is this is 1967. No, this is disturbing, exactly. Okay. All right. right. And so then I said, oh, well, so Jack, you're going to be there. At least I'll know somebody. Right. And he says, no, no. He says, I'm going to Ohio State, and which he did. Wow. So this was a recruitment tactic. Yeah, this was a recruitment tactic. Well, what was your experience like in anthropology as a graduate student? And were you when did you start to get exposed to black anthropologists? I don't know that they're black anthropologists in my undergraduate. Right. I was so totally immersed in Latin America. Right. I did find, did know that there were black people in Latin America. Which is impressive. And and then all this, if I did an art, um, um, like a 
and there was an article that um, um, Evelyn uh, uh, Brooks Phillips did on hair mm-hmm. that came a special issue of in transform in transforming mm-hmm. in TA, mm-hmm. and I do a little and I have a little blurb. I tell the story of my mother, um, who um, was college. Uh, college educated but she made more money doing hair and growing up in her her uh shop which was in the basement of our house so I got to see a whole a range of black people Mm -hmm. of black women Mm -hmm. you know the poor ones who were a special treat Mm -hmm. uh the domestics um, the one secretary who's holding on but she's working actually for the one black lawyer um the t- teachers, the doctors' wives, the whole gamut. But addition, um, they because my mother had studied French, she t- studied f- Spanish. We had a whole a range of of women who were from Haiti, who from Cuba, who were from uh, Puerto Rico, who would come to my mother because they could. She would. She would be able to speak with them. I said, this is how I became an anthropologist, because I learned to listen to people's stories. Yeah, No, that's beautiful. You know, it says so much about how black women have done their own kinds of anthropology. Right. um, In our everyday lives of getting to know one another. Right. Because I think that if there's one um, thing that distinguishes black feminist anthropology, it's the way that we use our stories and our relationships to tell our stories. Right. Um, And I think that that's beautiful. Was that your first article in Transforming Anthropology? Mm, No. It was not. That was not. My first one when T.A. first, because when T.A. first started, we had we were hustling up to get, you know, (laughs) who's got something that, you know. So um, the first one that I that was in T.A. was the first one, I think, on on. No, it was one on my experience in Bowdoin and it was something about doing missionary work amongst the privileged. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. I feel like a lot of your energy and time over the years has gone into building Black anthropology in a lot of ways, um, from transforming anthropology to ABA, etc. Can you talk a little bit about the kinds of ways that you have been uh, an institution builder and a discipline builder? Well, I, well, institutional builder, I, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually goes back to in graduate school um, where, you know, there's just very early um, uh, women's studies programs and so forth. And so the, the, to get the kind of the in, the interdisciplinarity, well, it wasn't, it was it's did interdisciplinary, mm-hmm. not arity. um, where in fact any faculty or graduate students who were writing about women's issues, you know, come to the meeting, you know, and we'll we'll see if what we can do is make the list of courses Mm -hmm. so our students can know what to do and who's ever doing um, graduate work, you know, you can, you know, so this is how I met, you know, people 
who were getting degrees in Spanish, you know, that, you know, who are you reading and, and so forth. And um, the intro to women's studies didn't reflect. We had no texts. Right. So it was whatever um, the and the anthologies that were coming were very w- women's lib. Right. Ish. Not ish. It was women's lib. Right. So there were no voices of anybody, no working class voices of any color. There were no wow. voices of uh, essays. It was, you know, um, basically um, white women, from, uh, middle class white women from the Northeast. Right. And that's what it was. Right. Um, and, and so I started doing my own intervention when I started teaching that course um, uh, that even our bodies ourselves mm-hmm. had no bo- black bodies. Right. Okay? So, <laughs> right. yeah. Right. You know, so we, it was a big deal that, that people, that we had these speculants and mm-hmm. that everybody, and so, you know, it was like, oh, take a chance. Here's a mirror. Right. Um, right. You know, this is what you look like on the inside, right. you know, and, and, it, and you weren't forced, you know. Right. I said, but that was the, that was the major you know, push, mm-hmm. you know, you know, and, and right. That was important. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like the height of consciousness raising and mm-hmm. things like that. Well, you, you talked a little bit about bringing that into your curriculum. So how did you start to actually bring black women's voices well into your core curriculum? When I got my first course in, um, in anthropology, it was, people of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. So it was like, right. right. Um, and so that, so that was straight off. But then the literature of, mm-hmm. of the, um, of at that time were all done by, by uh, white people. Yeah. No. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it was then, but I also had this mentor, um, uh, Vera Green. Yeah. Who did some in, in, and she never. I took one course with her. It was my only. What was then? They had only A, B, C, D. They didn't have pluses, and there were only minuses. And outside of my physical anthropology, because it was you know it was very much a four field. You will know all the four fields of anthropology graduate program. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one outside of physical anthropology, the only B I ever got. Um, and, and I did a, a paper um, comparing um, Carol, and I never, because I got, I had to rewrite it twice. Mm-hmm. And I still, I got a B plus, which didn't count. But that meant I got a B for the course. Right. My dissertation, the only thing that, who she was on my committee. I actually I had two black people on my committee, Walt Johns, Walton Johnson, mm-hmm. who really um at that time was head of black studies mm-hmm. at at um uh Livingston College. That's when Rutgers was still divided into its colleges. Oh, right. mm-hmm. So he was an uh he went to LSE, he was a, a London School of um LSE a grad did his work in Africa uh, and 
uh, was taught courses on Africa in Black Studies mm -hmm. at, at Livingston. So he was on my committee. Um, Vera Green was on the committee. The only person who, um, who read the dissertation who said, oh, what have you done? Because I didn't want to do this whole thing of these are the anthropologists who've uh, work that I'm citing in this dissertation who've mm -hmm. done work in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And I'm she says, you must include that. In those days, there were no, if you were going to rewrite, you had to get back to the typewriter. You could not white out. Right. And so we found, and this was this wonderful, uh, 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 a uh, wonderful um, secretary had a, a Bowden. We figured out if we could only, she only could retype three pages or two mm -hmm. pages because mm -hmm. there was one page that only had just like four lines that we said, oh, good. Right. We have the rest of that page. And then we'll just squeeze up. Oh, wow. <laughs> to be able to put in right. this, the citations of these people who it didn't matter what you know Sydney Greenfield said about anything, but I had decided, and her point was they have to know that you have a you have a mastery of this material. Mm. That was that was her old school. You have to have, know ever you don't give mm -hmm. them any leeway mm -hmm. that you don't know what you're doing, mm -hmm. that you are well versed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I was trying to do something alternative, mm -hmm. and and she said, mm -mm. "That's such an important point because I think that oftentimes one of the ways that Black women don't get cited is because." We require people in the academy when we're teaching graduate students, we require graduate students to know to to have a master of the canon. Right. And if we are not part of the canon, then that means that these old white men get cited and recited That's and right. recited and recited. And we're constantly pushed to the margins. Right. And so we're always going back to these same voices and our voices are getting completely right completely invisibilized right. in a lot of ways, right? And I think that that's, you know, and I think what's really disheartening um, is that as Black women in the academy who are professors, we are held to that standard with our students. And so you have a Black female mentor who's basically trying to help you make sure you can do well right. in the academy and telling you, you got to cite these white men. Right. Because if you don't cite these white men, you're not going to be able right. to get access to these spaces. Right. I mean, I think that that, you know, so much of our story as black women is caught up in Vera Green's story. Right. Right. Because we our our, our trajectories are delayed because we're doing work for other people. Right. That doesn't get cited. Right. That doesn't get recognized. People don't want to let us into the PhD programs. Right. And then, you know, once we do a, basically slave labor over the <laughs> over right. these years, then you get these letters, but they don't want you they don't want to work with you. Right. And then, you know, you you live your life, you train your students, you do what you need to do, and you donate your archives, and then the flood comes and takes them away. And because she is she was the highest um elected um, a black person in the AAA. Wow. 
when, when there was a different kind of institutional structure, right. she was the number one. Right. She wasn't president or anything, but she was on what is now the executive board. Which for a black woman at that time and is incredible. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. And so as her student, you went through and you get your PhD and you get your first job and you start doing publications. And, and what happens in terms of you and the recognition of your work? Well, part of it, so another, this is bringing up old bad memories, Um, but for instance, um, signs. Yes. You know, I'm going to, oh, I'm a, I'm a good little black feminist. They're going, they're looking on, they're a call for papers. Oh, Lynn, you must send us something. I sit, you know, write this paper, uh, this essay, which, you know, and, and I send it out. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And they Finally, I uh, somebody asked for it. I said they were doing an anthology. I said, "Well, it said it's supposed to be in signs, you know." And they said, "Oh, sorry, uh, we decided that we weren't going to do it on women in work. We were going to do it on something else." And I they said, never contacted. Never contacted. I said, "Oh," and the issue was coming out like so. I said, "Oh," and I immediately. Um, went back to um, June Nash, who had been part of this other group of uh, women who were, in fact, were aunties, uh, because Helen Safa was my advisor. Uh, June Nash was part of this group of, it was June Nash, Happy Leacock, and Connie Sutton, these mm-hmm. four incredibly brilliant, all coming from Columbia, all had been in, knew of Vera Green's work. And then it was actually Vera who got Helen to come to Rutgers to come into anthropology because she was hired actually in urban studies. But to come into anthropology because they knew of her history and so forth, but she wasn't part of them. But the intellectual groundings that I got from these four aunties um, was just, so June said, uh, and I can't, either I tell Helen, and Helen says, June's doing this uh, volume, send it to her. And this is how Kitchens uh, uh, gets published. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, tell us a little bit about that publication and, and what it means to you. People are citing it more now than they ever cited before. Right. Right. And it's old. Right. But it's hold but it's holding up, I think, because what I did um really is 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 almost almost like a timeless piece on how women make make decisions in really tough times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. Um I'm wondering if you could if if there's one publication that you would wish that everybody would read of yours? Mm. What would it be? I worked so hard on telling telling the story. story. Absolutely. Um, Because I rewrote it so many times. For the listener's information, the title of Dr. Bull's article is Telling the Story Straight, Black Feminist Intellectual Thought in Anthropology. 
Here she gives some detail on the piece. Well, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because obviously telling the story is in part why we're here. Because right. Because that's the piece that you wrote for Transforming Anthropology right. that talks about citational politics right. and anthropology. Talk a little bit about that piece oh, and, oh, and how it came a, about. There's a little, there's a little, not sidebar at the beginning. Um, and I guess it was 1999, the, the canonical pieces, uh, Women, Culture, and Society, mm-hmm. and the Anthropology of Women, mm-hmm. um, are t- the 25th anniversary of it. Right. And I'm in Puerto Rico doing something. And I get a telephone call. I've got to hear, um, uh, Louise Lamphere is, is, is calling me. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. So I, have, I go to a, a Telephone booth. Mm-hmm. I call Louise. I said, "What is this?" She goes, "I have to put you. You know, it's the uh, the AAA thing is coming up. Um, can we get you to be a presenter in, you know, this this um, uh, double session celebrating the 25th anniversary?" I said, "Sure." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for those who, who those of our listeners who are not anthropologists, don't know anthropology, Louise Lanfear is a very prominent feminist anthropologist. Right. Very prominent. Right. A former president of the American Anthropological Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and uh, Shelley Rosaldo, mm-hmm. um, as little as baby anthropologists, do this landmark collection mm-hmm. that um, is really really critical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and this and um and almost six months later uh reina um rap comes out with women from an anthropological perspective so the two become the the foundation of feminist anthropology mm-hmm. absolutely okay so i said sure and i start so I, you know, so this is, I think I'm in Puerto Rico and, and I prepare, I write this paper. And what I do in that paper was look at these two texts and I said, what is there? And I said, how do we make, how do we make collections? How do we do, um, put together essays um, that, um, um, and it's usually, I said, it's usually around our kitchen tables. Your friends come over. They say, well, I got this one. Let's see if this works. Oh, yeah, I'll put it together. That'll be good. And you, and this is how the anthologies all come out. Let me call someone. I know they've been working on this. And this is, ha- this is how it happens. Right. And this is exactly how um, uh, those two uh, um, anthologies come about. Right. Because many of the essays... For instance, in Rida, uh, in in Raina's, because they were all graduate students together in at Michigan. Right, 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 right. Um, so, um, you know, I say that. I said, and then my next thing is, and so who's around their table? Absolutely. So, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's such an important well, intervention. Well, I thought that Carol Stack, who you know, just absolutely, she's a friend, uh, but she really saw me as you know one of her baby student, graduate student, yay, team, Lynn, you know, <laughs> people. And, um, uh, but I was closer to, uh, and still closer to Karen Sachs. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, Brodkin, who's then Karen Sachs. And, um, and um, when I said that, they were like, oh, they were aghast. 
absolutely aghast. It was <clears throat> Krista Craven was in that audience oh, wow. okay. as a graduate student. And I think she has told me, she goes, you couldn't see them, but they thought they had just, that you had just, you know, what Janetta calls, aired the dirty linen. But right. it wasn't even the dirty linen. It was just, you called it what it was. Right. Right. You called it as the right. exclusion. You ex- talked about um, the exclusion of black and female p- voices. Right. I said, and black and and, and one of the things I say in this thing is, it's not because you didn't know any of them. Right. You know that in fact, Leith Mullins was around. That Sheila Walker wasn't writing about that, but she was around. Yolanda Moses was around. I mean, they were all doing these, but. They were part, weren't part of your circle. Absolutely. And that's so important because I think that, you know, for, for those of us, for, for our listeners, I think that one of the things that demystifies the academy and publishing um, is that we often think about meritocracy and we think that everything that's published is really because it's the best thing that could possibly be published. And we don't see the things behind the clo- behind closed doors and the ways that a lot of these publications come together around friend circles. Right. right? Absolutely. And if and if your friend circle is homogenous. Right. And doesn't include women of color, doesn't include black right. women, then you have these these discourses that are being produced, these conversations that are being produced without black women's input. Right. And so then Louis says, well, I'm going to we're going to put together, you know, these papers for for publication. I said, mm-hmm. great. I never hear it. Oh, she goes. Then she says, um, send me what you think are some of your best things, whether they've been published or not published, and we'll see what we can do. What else do you have? And so I send her, you know, three or four things. I never hear from her. Um, And I've kind of moved on into another set of research. The pieces that I have, I said, well, you know, those are for my dissertation. You know, I've already gotten, I've already got tenure. You know, this, not that I haven't stop doing that work but it's on a different road right right i think that you know one of our resolutions about incorporating black women into the core of your syllabus and one of the things i think about when you say that is that oftentimes when we are cited or when we are included we're included as an afterthought we're not included as part of the structure of the idea And, and and when that happens, it shows because because basically you have folk who are trying to cover their bases and aren't really considering our idea our ideas as part of the 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 primary thread of whatever they're trying to do. Right. And that you know, and that's not the kind of citation that we're talking about. Right. Those aren't the kind of citational politics that we seek out. Right. 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 So, Absolutely. So I mean, after that it, that kind of dismissal. You know, so here I, I'm, I'm basically there's hits and then there's dismissals. You know, there's hits and then um, I sent in the essay. Oh, but she felt so badly. She didn't want to thought she didn't want to hurt your hurt your feelings. Um, I said, but she never called. She never. Wow. You know. Um, right. I'm sorry. Right. OK, so. You know, just say, you know, we've taken a different road or whatever. And, you know, you know, what else can we do for you? And nothing, right. you know, so it's it's. Um, and I said, where are black women being cited? Right. And I I just put names 
And I just went through an old fashioned going through the pages because this was nothing was digitized. Right. So I'm going through the pages. You remember what year this is? Oh, geez. So this is the 2000, something right. like that. Right. So I'm going through the pages and um, who's citing? So, you know, at that time I said, well, let me see who's citing Janetta, Yolanda, and who else? Was, Faye was it Faye? No, it was just not Faye because Faye was not hot yet. She right. was, she was, she was on her way up. She was on her way up. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, at that time, Junetta was, you know, provost of, of right. uh, UMass Sambers. Yolanda was a provost. Right. Um, uh, and so um, I used them, oh, I think Vera and then somebody else. And so I used them as like test cases. Mm-hmm. And I see who's... They're not cited by anthropologists. They're fi- cited in education. They're cited in sociology. They're cited in all kinds of other places, but not right. in anthropology. Right, right, right. And then when I um, do this, and I give that paper at an AES conference or something like that, right. Karen Brodkin says, you have got to put this in AE or AA. right. So I keep going. I do with your American anthropo- anthropologist, anthropologist and American right the the, the quote unquote the flagship, career, the flagship right, right. So I said oh, I said they're not going to accept this. This mm-hmm. is you know this is calling them out exactly mm-hmm. what they are. Mm-hmm. And she goes, but they need to hear it. I said, okay, you're right. So I keep on going, and then um, I get I'm chair of um, African American studies, and so I get a t I get a t- teaching assistant, right. and her job is to go through and I use all of the um, the the authors that are in feminist uh, anthropology um, that that Irma mm-hmm. yes locks out and edits yes. Um, because I do a whole thing on citation and history and so forth. Wow. Okay. Um, that my entry article, which I think people do cite. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. On uh, Seeking the Ancestors. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so she does, I mean, we have this binder mm-hmm. as thick as a brick. <laughs> um, and again, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, Faye starts coming up and they cite one article. And how many years did it take for that article to come out? And where did it end up coming out? Wow. Because it gets bumped for people who need the publication because, because they're coming up for tenure. Right. Okay. I have tenure. At that time, I'm full. Right. I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. I get full in 93. Yeah, so you're full. Right? Yeah, so I get actually t- full before any of my peers do. Right, right, right. Almost seven, ten years for that for that yeah. piece to come out. Yep. In the meantime, I t- tweak it by starting looking at the uh, who's t- by this time everything's online. Right. Who's teaching theory courses? And right. then I looked at the NRC rankings. Okay. Which is also included in that article. Right. Absolutely. So uh, the NRC rankings. Who's there? Mm-hmm. And then I was able to send some of their. Their courses on, were online, mm-hmm. and the only two out of the top people who have who has um, these higher um, high rankings on in the NRC, 
And theory knowing that we learn our theory in this one course that you better be get an A in. Right. Uh, where you learn how to cite. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, you should. You, right, right. You, you know, you learn how, what makes it something good, what makes it right. critical, what makes it in that only two black people are cited. Um, one being uh, Ralph, of course, Ralph right. Trio, Trio, and the other is Lee Baker. Wow. Okay. The rest of us. And no black women. Oh. Right. No women. No women. No women. Okay. Okay. There, <laughs> there might be a woman, I forget. Yeah. I, you know, might be a, a Ruth Benedict. Right. You know, yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, um, yeah. Well, I know we are at the end of our time. Okay. And so I want, but I want to make sure that you can leave us with some thoughts about what what we can do to really um, encourage the project of citing black women as a praxis, which is something that you, as you explained, champion for so many years. I'm, I think part of it is that you really have to make, because we're coming from this educational system where in fact we, we only cite whoever is important, yes. but that they tell us is important. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact might be really important, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, there's some, not can't throw out all of this stuff, you know, <laughs> but you have to look at the the history of black feminists and 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 in part what black um, male anthropologists have done is they've really questioned um, some of the uh, uh, questioned um, the whole project of of decolonizing and so forth. Nowadays, there is absolutely no reason for people not to know who is doing this work. Yes. You know, you have to do some more, you have to dig harder Mm -hmm. to find us because we have been made invisible, Mm -hmm. but that makes you a better scholar. Right. I just want to thank you for your time and I want to thank you for the inspiration that you are. Um, and, and really, I, I, I want to say to all of our listeners that it's really been a pleasure um, to be able to, to to sit down and have this conversation with someone who has just contributed so much and has so much knowledge about so many things. And so, <laughs> thank you.